Welcome to the Catapult Ed Next Gen Podcast, a podcast to educate the next generation towards a successful financial future. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of the Next Gen Podcast. My name is Tony Cat, uh, Director of Catapult Wealth, and it's a pleasure to uh, speak to you today about uh, time and compounding, uh, time in the market, uh, when do you buy, when do you sell, a few of these little things that a lot of people ask us about day to day. And I'm joined today by Sam Cronali, Associate Advisor at Catapult Wealth. Welcome, Sam. Thank you, TC. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast. I'm a big fan. Thank you, mate. I think the listeners have something special in store here. I think it might be the best podcast yet. We'll yeah. see how it goes. But uh, Sam is a long-time listener, first-time caller uh, today, and um, and we are excited to have him on board. So, um, Sam, look, time, time in the market um, is a fascinating concept, and a lot of people have various views about this and um, around um, trading, uh, trying to s- and they see market volatility and they talk to their friends about, oh, I'm making a killing, getting into this and out of that. And and you hear every story under the sun. Um, why do you have any reasons or data of why time in, and I'm going to put in, in big capital letters, in the market important? Absolutely, TC. Time is your best Sorry, friend. Sorry, everyone, by the way, TC's me, just because no one's referred to me as TC on this podcast. Oh, my apologies. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'll refer you to as TC. Yeah, thank you. Um, nonetheless, time is your best friend. Yes. And it's important based on this reality. It's not a concept. It's a reality of compounded growth. Mm. So I'm happy to go into it. I've got a real-life example. I've go got the it. facts, Tony. Thank you. So let's compare the pair right mm-hmm. we've got a younger starter um we're looking at an average growth of around 10 percent per year which mm. is what mm. say for instance the s&p 500's done since 1960s odd mm-hmm. and one starts at age 20 mm-hmm. they put in 300 dollars a month until age 65 mm-hmm. and then we've got an older starter based mm-hmm. on the same level of growth that starts at age 20 but stops at age 40 the difference tony is 600 percent more money. So the person who started at 300 a month at age 20 and kept going through to the age 65, you said, has $600,000 more yeah. than the person who stopped when they were 40. Correct. So it's the difference um, of $2.5 million to 400000 mm. and that difference is financial freedom, isn't it, right? Absolutely. It's, it's a massive difference. So the younger you start for the longest period of time on a consistent and ongoing basis, the better. Yeah, absolutely. So, so just talk me through those numbers again. So, if you're twenty, start putting in three hundred dollars a month. You said, and you stopped at forty. Yeah. How much will you have at sixty five or sixty five? Did you say is the final figure? Two point five billion. Two five million. Yeah. yeah. And if you put in, keep putting in three hundred dollars a month from twenty until sixty five. Oh, so from twenty into age forty. Off, yeah, you'll have two point five million. Uh, you have uh two point five million twenty to sixty five, yeah. and from twenty to age forty, only four hundred thousand. Yeah, but but then that four hundred thousand, and you may not have done the calculation because what I'm curious <laughs> about is what is the four hundred thousand? Because you got to wait till you're sixty five till you retire. What Correct. is that four hundred grand going to then become mm. until you're sixty five? If you get what I mean, so you can stop putting three hundred dollars a month in, but. It's not going to get to two point five million. Let's be honest. So, no, yeah, correct. Um, what what is interesting though, 
And what we might do as an attachment to this podcast is attach some numbers around this. And because I think it's more of the fact, Sam, that people don't start at 20. The fact is they start at 40 Mm. and they go to 65. But how does that compare to the people who started at 20 and went to 40? Like if you front-ended it instead of back-ending it, um, what difference does that make? And and I'm sure that you don't have the numbers close to hand, but the, the, the... the bottom line is, and we all know the, the mass, is that you're way better off starting small between 20 and 40 and then stopping if you want versus starting at 40 and going to 65. Absolutely. And I've got some more numbers as we work through the, the podcast. I'm sure the listeners will be excited yeah, yeah, to hear I love that. Numbers. Um, don't mind the uh, the testing on the spot. I'll, I'll okay. see what I can come up Thank with you, uh, in my brain. But yeah, compounding interest is the eighth wonder of the world, as Einstein said himself. He who understands it earns it, and he who doesn't pays it. It's, yes, it's an interesting quote and one that resonates a lot with me as well. So yeah, it's yeah. Look, and I think the other um, and so compounding is the mechanism of compounding. Sam is all about returns on returns, isn't it? It's, it's about you. You're, you're getting ten percent on your ten percent on your ten percent on your ten percent, and um, and in this day and age, um, people do compounding via different ways. They do dividend reinvestment plans, like they reinvest their income back into more stock, or they just simply take the cash and just choose what next to buy. Um, but it, what they're not doing is taking their income or growth out and spending it somewhere else. In essence, that's what compounding is. Absolutely. And millions of people have become wealthy from this um, mm. reality of compounding growth because it's growth on top of growth. And I've got a bit of an analogy to go through, yep. I guess, which um, may allow the listeners at home to sort of understand what compounding is a bit more in depth in a different scenario. And as the story goes in, in ancient times, an honourable citizen was presented to a great king, Tony. Mm-hmm. The king offered the um, citizen any reward he wanted. He was a very loyal citizen, obviously did really well. Mm-hmm. The citizen asked that a grain of rice to be placed on the first square of a chessboard, mm-hmm. then two grains on the second square, four grains on the third, and so on. The king was absolutely Just, fine with that. Yeah, Doubling double each amount. time, yeah, right? Yeah. By the time the king got halfway through the chessboard, there was more rice required than the entire kingdom possessed. Yeah, Wow. That's compounding yes. growth. It's not linear. It's compounded. Yes. So. It's uh, no. I, I think that is a very good analogy, Sam. And and that's and that just comes with being patient, Sam, isn't it? It's um, and and so just the other little rabbit hole I want to go down while we're talking about time in the market. Um, I reckon there's even a chart above your around your desk somewhere, Sam. That if you're out of the market, if you choose to sell for any period of time. The market tends to reward those who stay in during vo- even volatile times or because timing the market is very hard. And and I don't have the data to date, but the, some of the major market moves happen in very short speed paces of time. And if you're not – if you miss one of those moves, mm. it can cost you a lot of money is the, the – oh. nu- in a nutshell what I would say. Oh, absolutely. And just missing the bottom – of the market by two months um, mm. leads to underperforming compared to, say, for instance, dollar cost averaging on a yes. daily or monthly time frame, 97% of the time. Yeah, wow. And, for instance, since the 1950, the broad US stock market has set 1,130 all-time highs. That's an average of 16 per year. Yes. So to wait to save your cash and pile into the market at a low is very unlikely. It's hard work. And can we just... Um Explain dollar cost averaging for those that might not know the topic 
in terms of how that can be approached? Yeah, so dollar cost averaging is buying smaller amounts of the market on a daily or weekly or monthly time yeah. frame compared to, you know, um, I guess accumulating savings and, and buying when the market's at a low when um, a lot of people, um, you know, uh, I guess have the misconception is the right time to mm. to um, invest into the market. So I guess the key difference is you're, you're buying on a consistent and ongoing basis. Mm. Um, you're buying a fixed amount, um, mm. be it, you know, daily or weekly, as I've said, on – yeah, on an ongoing basis compared to just piling in or when it's at a lows or yeah. And and the amount of clients that I would come across or people I come across, Sam, that have decided to try and time the market and they've sat in cash and now cash is earning nearly zero um, for long when I say long period of time, one, two, three, four, five years where they miss major market moves has been extraordinary because they get fixated on just trying to pick the bottom of a market and we know that that is bloody hard and near on impossible. Pretty well. And as Charlie Munger of Berkshire Hathaway yes. would go and say, conservative investing with steady savings without expecting miracles is the best way mm. to go. It's boring, but it's the most thorough way to accumulate wealth over a long period of time. So, it's, yeah. it's boring, consistent, disciplined, but works. Correct. Um, and you're never going to be probably the best return on the street, but you're not going to be the worst. Yeah. Is the other the way I've heard the share market described to me, Sam, when I was, I'll say, 28 years ago when I first got into this gig, was the share market was like a, a man walking up the hill with a yo-yo. And if you concentrated on the yo-yo, it would drive you batty. Like, But the man walking up the hill part of it is is still, I think, as relevant today as it ever been. And, and therefore, I think that the thing to learn a lot about timing is a lot of clients get upset when markets fall. But if you don't need to sell, and in fact, if a lot of clients you there continue to accumulate, they put more money into super all the time, markets falling every now and again is a great thing for accumulators. They Correct. want the markets to fall every now and again so you can buy good assets at good times. Uh, absolutely. And it plays into you know what you consider a, as um, a minimum time frame to mm. invest into the share market as a young investor. Buying investments now are cheap relative to when I retire, Correct. be that in 40 years' time. So. If anything, if there's a prolonged bear market, it's favourable for me as a young investor now mm. or any investor with a five to ten year time frame because you're getting an average price, yeah. which is cheaper when you're chasing the market, it's got momentum behind it. I guess the old adage is, um, yeah, buy on dips and don't chase on rips. And yeah. a lot of people get caught out in the momentum of chasing rips and paying higher and higher prices when the market does come off, uh, they're probably not as um, greedy as mm. as what they, they should be when others are greedy. And it's that old Warren Buffett mm. um, quote, you know, um, be fearful when others are greedy and mm. be greedy when others are fearful. And I think that certainly plays its role in the markets. Yeah, and I, I, li- I do love that saying. Um, one of the other things that um, I've found curious over the years, Sam, is uh, one of the other lessons I probably got taught about timing was um, getting out of stocks and I'm not sure whether you have any particular lessons on selling, but I got taught when I was a young fella to um, that little little tips, and I'm not saying these are any right ways of doing it, but basically if there was a profit warning on a company, and I'll call it BHP, on average I think there's three profit warnings that come. If Once you've got one, you normally get three. 
And it was about trying to then allow, and the saying that I heard when I was young was, don't catch a falling knife. Yeah, Because you you'll cut your hand. Correct. And so once something starts falling, and I know you're a big fan of charting and, and things like that, is yeah. that falling stocks, particularly one profit warning, don't try and chase them down. Just hold, even if you've got it, maybe either sell it or hold on, mm. but don't buy until you've probably saw that third profit warning. Is that... Is that something yeah. you would would endorse? That definitely resonates with yeah. me. I haven't heard that um, mm. that adage before, but what my um, my statements before more in relation to passively investing yes. into the market rather than actively investing yeah. into the market, and I think that's a good point that there's a difference. There's a yeah. passive way to invest into the market yep. through ver- diversified ETFs, and yeah. there's an active way to invest into the market through buying stock specific names. When it comes to stock specific names, I guess the key points are to have a, a great financial advisor behind you with the research to have a look over your shoulder as to what's happening in the sector, what's yeah. going on in the economy, because a lot of these factors play a massive role when trying to catch a knife and it's absolutely correct you will get could get cut cut so <laughs> yeah it's um one of the things that um look i'm curious about your view of and we just touched on it before is how long should people consider investing or looking to um, consider investing in the share market if they're considering this type of investment i guess it's relative to their age and there's other factors as well such as their risk profile or risk tolerance Mm. um be it high or moderate or Mm. or balanced but for for myself and from my point of view it's relative to when they need or require the funds yeah because if they need to require the funds in the next three years and the market comes off and you've got to sell at a discount rather than at a premium, mm. well, that's not ideal. You don't want to be a foreseller. No. So you've sort of got to expect that, you know, at worst, um, well, at least over the last 20 years, the largest recovery time has been six years. Yeah. So I'd say it'd be reasonable to suggest a five-year investment minimum so then at least that way if the markets do come off and we do have another financial crisis which Mm. i guess any investor has to consider and Mm. and price in their own mind i'm not saying it could happen i I don't expect it to happen or would i like it to happen but um Mm. yeah i i I think at least the minimum of five years because at least over the last 20 years it's taken that long to recover Um, but yeah, like I said earlier, it's relative to when they need or require the funds. Um, but mm. from my point of view, I, I, t- I take a very passive approach and I, I, I like the other quote, which is um, buy everything, sell nothing. I think that <laughs> has some resonance too. So I've got some hoarding clients out there that are probably listening to that statement <laughs> that, that do follow that same principle, Sam. Yeah, look, it's, um, you know, the market, um, uh, you know, w- will reward people um, that, that that have that discipline to do it the right way. Um, and, and I think the best saying I've had around that is it rewards the patient and it, it, it's like the Robin Hood theory. It takes from the impatient and gives to the patient. Correct. It's the, one of the better sayings I've heard about uh, the market. Absolutely. And I think it's also good to consider that you want to be a buyer when other people are selling and mm. you want to be sell to people who are buying be because contrary. that way you're in the minority. So. Warren Buffett, I reckon, Sam, tell me if I had this wrong, is that he approaches his investments as though, and timing, as though the market could potentially get, like, stop trading for, forever. For, yeah, he, he says, would I be happy owning this investment if I never got an opportunity to sell it yeah. ever again because the market stopped trading? It, that's, I, know, I think I've got that right. No, it's yeah. true. It's I've actually got it in my notes here. That's, oh, okay. that's how yeah. he approaches it. If the market were to shut down, would you be happy to hold your investment? Yeah, and, and, be, and not be able to get out. 
correct. and be able to ride through all the ups, downs and troughs of it. Absolutely correct. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a very, very good way of dealing with it. Um, the other thing that, and, and you talk about dips and market volatility, is I always sort of prep myself, and over 28 years, Sam, we've seen, I've seen personally, I've seen the GFC, we've seen the current pandemic, I've seen the tech boom and crash, I've seen gold booms, um, I, I didn't quite, I'm too old for the 87 crash, but it wasn't far before my era. Um, market, markets will, conti- this will continue to happen. And I, I think that as long as I do this, if I do this gig for another 20 years, I'm going to see four or five more of these events. Correct. Um, in volatile markets, what what approach should clients take? How, you know, they're, they're probably consistent. They get nervous, they get emotional. Mm. How, how do you approach volatile markets? It's uh, it's an interesting one. Um, I'm still a young investor, so I can only really recall the financial crisis and the recent the COVID pandemic, crisis yeah. or the pandemic. But even in saying that, I, I recall three times over that pandemic, the bell rang because they stopped trading because yes. the markets hit the limiter and yes. they came off more than 10% and the angst around that on the news and then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and mm. you think the whole thing's going to blow up. Um, but yeah, I guess during volatile times, it's important um, and some in- investors and listeners at home will understand this to listen to monetary and physical policy mm. statements from, from the Fed or from the RBA. For instance, over covid they came in and um, brought in a lot of stimulus and they backed US payrolls and that was the bottom and they um, double drops the interest rates over the weekend and from there markets jumped straight up. So I guess when you're seeing those types of catalysts, it's almost as if the, the governments and the um, monetary officials are putting a bottom in, in the market and during volatile times, those are the things that you should watch for. But it's interesting as well that over COVID, I recall being at home and mm. listening to Bloomberg over my lunch break, as you mm. do, mm. and CBA were announcing their profit results or whatnot, and it was their largest loan provision ever. Yes. From there, the CBA stock price went up. up. Yeah. And it's almost as if when the worst of it is announced, it's already priced in mm. and markets um, start to turn. So I guess during volatile times, it's important perhaps to journal or, or remember in some way, shape or form to reassure yourself that it's okay to be a buyer at, at those levels perhaps mm. or during those times. And I recall over um, March with um, those announcements from the Fed and um, from the government, mm. the international travel ban came in at the same time. Yes. So what do you listen to? Do you, yeah. you got one bird on one shoulder, one bird on the other shoulder. I guess all in all, it pays to be an optimist. Yeah, it can, Sam. And I, I think that the underlying principle sometimes I come back to when things are volatile is it, is is stop um, looking at the share price and start looking at what the actual business is and never forgetting, and it's probably what got me through the GFC, was never forgetting that people still get out of their bed and buy milk and buy bread and buy petrol and, and the world still goes. And we are in a consumer-driven society like it or lump it and – people will still spend, whether in a pandemic or not. And a pandemic has been a great example of people <laughs> probably spending – they spent, but they did it in a different way. Correct. And and it's, um, you know, it's very fascinating to watch then who benefits from those dollars and who doesn't. And just because you're locked at home now is is no excuse to for an economy not to still prosper from it. So take the share price away. What does the business do? 
is it still making money? What's its business model? And you have to look at the basics and the fundamentals of the company or the market mm. um, to, to really make that assessment. Because if you watch the share price, it can drop you, drive you batty. Correct. And it plays into one of my rules, which I'm sure we'll go into later. And, is, and that's when making an investment, thinking to yourself, is this investment going to make me rich or wealthy? Mm. And there's a big difference. Mm. Sometimes when you want to be rich overnight and, mm. and strike it quick, you go in too hard and then it comes against you and then you're in strife. Mm. Whereas when, you, when you're aiming to be wealthy, that includes sleeping well at night too. Yeah. And placing your investments appropriately so you can do so um, because that's important and that you know, adds to, to your overall wealth, be it um, money aside. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I guess, yeah, it's what you do prior to. Um, uh, one of the other things that I wanted to ask about, and you just touched on there, any market timing rules. Do you particularly have anything that springs to mind? We've, we've quoted a few very good investors. Um, is there any other little tips or tricks for everyone out there listening today? I do, but they're, they're quite a bit odd, so I'm okay sharing <laughs> them. But um, yeah, they're, they're, they're a bit odd, but they do That's help right. me. Yeah, go for um, it. One of them is, can you sleep on this investment? So, what, as in sleep at night on yeah, this investment? Can, yeah, yeah. Can I sleep at night yeah, on yeah. this investment? Yeah. Um, I've gone into it before. Is this investment going to make you rich or wealthy? Because yeah, there's a, a difference. Yeah. And... Another market timing rule I follow is actually um, capital flows. So um, that's intraday seasonality. Mm-hmm. So usually on a Tuesday around London time, which is 8.30 p.m. Adelaide time, you see a market low for the week, which is interesting is right? based on data. Mm. And um, annual capital flows. So we've just seen September markets come off in the U.S. Um, around 8 to 10%. Um, just pre-earnings. Um, so the market starts to price in some risk around earnings. Earnings come out. They're better than expectation. Markets go, goes back up. Um, and the same happens in September with our domestic index. So the ordinary index in Australia. Companies pay out majority of their dividends in September. Yeah. In October, the investors receive their, their dividends. dividends and reinvest it back into the market. You see that quick dip and that, that bump up. And the same normally happens around March. Yeah. So um, there, there are a few market timing anomalies based yeah. on statistics and data. Um, but some other rules that I follow are never invest in something you don't understand. 100%. It's very important to take your emotions out of the equation. What's your attitude to risk overall? Mm-hmm. I guess a good portfolio combines a combination of both safe and risky investments, mm-hmm. which is key, mm-hmm. and diversity. So investing in a good combination of stocks, commodities, property, infrastructure, bonds and cash. Yeah, absolutely. No, they're very good rules for everybody to listen to and, and everyone to follow. And, and, I, and I think that, you know, and I've always said on this podcast that um, investing is an art, not a science. And, and the way, you know, Sam might invest, the way I might invest is different to the way some of you may invest out there. But, but ultimately, you sort of got to develop your own set of uh, philosophies. You have to develop your own rules and around it so that you're clear and you don't get um, chase shiny things. You don't Correct. start getting skittish in your strategy and you, you stick to what you know. You stick to the, the, the well-beaten path and yeah. you're going to be fine. And, and as I've always described, stay between the train tracks and we're going to be okay. So... Um, Sam, do you have anything else that you wanted to add today for all the listeners? Yeah, I've got a compounding example. Go for it. For the share market, I've got another one. So if you invest 40 a week every week into an ETF, that mirrors the S&P 500. For $40 those, a week, did you say? $40 a week. Yeah. Um, so the S&P 500 includes 500 leading companies in across America. 11 yep. sectors in, in America. Yep. Um, one year later, you have 
2,193. Mm-hmm. Five years later, you have 13,287. Mm-hmm. Ten years later, you'll have three, $357,097. Mm-hmm. And 50 years later, you'll have $2,026,696. So that is investing $40 a week. $5.80 a day. For 50 years, and you'll have your 2.5 mil. Correct. I've got another interesting story as well, based on the longest compounding example. Do I you could have find anyone we know market. that's done forty dollars a week for fifty years? Or do we know anyone that's done that? No, but I'd like to <laughs> listen to this podcast in fifty years and say, "Go, Sam, you did well." <laughs> um, ben Franklin. Yes, Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin. He gave his home city a thousand dollars in seventeen ninety, left alone to be reinvested for a hundred years, and he figured out. That after a hundred years they could take out five hundred thousand, and it gets better. After two hundred years they could still take out six point five million after they took out the five hundred thousand yeah. due to the nature of compounded growth. Absolutely. So he gave his home city a thousand dollars, which turned into six point five million. Wow, crazy. Yeah, they're great numbers, Sam. It's probably, I guess, a sign off to say everyone out there. There's a lot of wealthy people in the world, but they got rich slowly. And uh, they did it through having a clear philosophy, discipline, and an ability to start probably pretty early. Sam, thanks for joining us today. It's been a pleasure talking to you and uh, look forward to talking to you again on the podcast. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. And it was a pleasure being on the podcast. Thanks.